So as a church, we've currently been journeying through the Missional Life course, uh, which is a course all about moving us from a place of paralysis, where we feel scared or fearful about sharing our faith, to a place of empowerment, where we feel inspired and we feel excited about sharing our faith. So if you haven't been on the journey so far, that's okay. You can listen to the messages online, or you can just jump on in right here where you are today. So... What we've been talking about, we've talked about missional angst, we've talked about understanding our cultural moment, we've talked about knowing the message that we carry is such good news. And then last week, Charlotte did a beautiful job of talking about how we are ambassadors of Christ. We didn't choose it, well, we chose Jesus, and and by choosing him, we become his ambassadors. We can't sort of choose not to be his ambassadors from that point on. And so today I'm going to talk about faith conversations, going to talk about how we can share our faith without being weird, which really is the aim. Having conversations about Jesus is something that I'm really passionate about because it's how I want to spend my life. And I'm not an expert. I've made mistakes. I've had some awkward conversations, but it is something that I'm learning and growing in. And I think we can all learn and grow in this area. Sometimes sharing our faith can really feel like a daunting task. We know that we're supposed to do it, sort of says it in the Bible, but we don't know how to do it, so we don't do it, or we do do it, but we do it really awkwardly. And I think it's good to remember if it feels weird and cringy and awkward for us, then it's going to feel weird and awkward and cringy for them. If any of you have been part of a mission project that felt awkward, if you had to dress up, and sing a song or do a dance outside the supermarket, which I know my dear friend Marie, who's not here today, she was a bit traumatised by one of those mission projects. If you had to do that, I just want to say sorry. And if you had to approach a stranger and uh, roll out some sort of phrase that didn't really feel like how you would want to say it, and that felt awkward for you, then again, I just want to say sorry. If you had to carry a sign that said, repent and believe, and you felt awkward, then I'm sorry. And you know, those things work for some people. We can't throw all of that out. But for most of us, doing that sort of stuff makes us feel really uncomfortable. And so today, I want to invite you to dream about how different it can look and feel to share your faith. I want to remind you that God created every one of us uniquely. So the way we share our faith is going to look different from person to person. And the best thing is that when we partner with the Holy Spirit, sharing our faith is something that brings us more and more to life. It doesn't leave us in the fetal position cringing about what we just did in front of the supermarket. It brings us to life. Often we can overcomplicate what sharing our faith is. It's just drawing people to Jesus. It's teaching them how to know God. It's bringing them one step closer to Jesus, whether they have not known him at all or whether they've been a Christian their whole life. Our job is just to bring the people around us closer to Jesus, and we can all do that. It's not about having one well-rehearsed speech that we roll out in all situations. It's just not about a fancy catchphrase. It is about partnering with God, learning to listen to his voice, and being ready if the opportunity arises. And if you're ready, you'll find that there are lots of opportunities to have some really good fruity conversations. Most of us find it easier to live the gospel's gospel with our lives. So we live good lives that point to Jesus, 
than we do to actually talk about the gospel with words. But when we look at the life of Jesus, we see him doing both. He brought the kingdom of God in the way that he lived and the words that he spoke. It should be both and. Bruxy Cavey says this, a radically loving life should come with an explanation. And any sharing of the gospel should be accompanied by a radically loving life. When we love something, we talk about it. It bubbles up out of the overflow and the excitement in our heart, whether that's playing the piano or fishing or for my husband, that's talking about really, really big speakers, which I find really boring, but he gets, his enthusiasm and excitement is contagious. And when we're excited and we love something, we talk about it. It's the same with Jesus. When we love God, we want to share Him, but it's got to come from the overflow. Because if we haven't spoken to Him in weeks, then we're not in a good place to share about Him. And I just want you to take the pressure off yourself if you're feeling dry. Take that off the table. Spend time with Him first. And that's why Sam's always banging on that same drum, that we need to be with Jesus and become like Jesus. Because when we do that, we realise that it actually is good news that we've got to share. It's love, it's peace, it's joy, it's forgiveness, it's compassion. And when we're not spending time with Jesus, we can very quickly lose sight of that. I know I do, and I become very, very grumpy and hard to live with, and I shouldn't be let loose in society. You can ask my kids. Last year, Blair Applegate, who's here today, he hurt his back. He really injured his back. He could hardly move. But what he could do was spend time with Jesus. So he spent so much time in worship and in prayer. And what that meant was, when he eventually could stand up and walk again and he was allowed to leave the house, he was living and breathing from the overflow. And so he was having so much fun. He was sharing his faith. He was praying for people at the hot pools. And I had a text from him one day, and he was in so much pain, but he said, what a fun day with Jesus. And that's because he was living from the overflow. When we learn to live from the overflow, sharing our faith is actually fun. It's exhilarating, and life feels like an adventure, because we actually need God to show up. John C. Maxwell points to two scriptures, one at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and one at the end. At the beginning of Matthew 5, he says, you're the soul of the earth. You are the light of the world. Uh, Go and shine. And so what he's saying is, you know, salt makes everything tastier. Light makes everything brighter. He's saying be attractive. Let your lives be attractive. And then at the end of his ministry in Matthew 28, he's saying go out. Go out and make disciples. So Jesus says be attractive and be active. When we're living the Jesus way, then we have more of the Jesus life. And our life is attractive because love, joy, and peace more and more become our experienced reality. And then the way we treat people is attractive. And then the way we deal with the hard stuff is attractive. John Tyson calls it provocative hope. It's the type of hope that provokes the people around us to ask questions. They might say, why? Why are you so hopeful? Why are you responding like that? I recently sat down with a very loved member of our church family, a very godly, fruity, filled with the fruits of the Spirit woman, who's recently been diagnosed with cancer. And the way she is responding is so beautiful because she has the peace and the joy of God, even amidst the hard stuff. She's sleeping without anxiety. She's sleeping better than I am. And I sat down, her and her husband were talking to me about all the things that they're grateful for. 
And their response is just so outstanding and otherworldly. It's so attractive. It points straight to Jesus. And if I didn't know where her peace and hope and joy were coming from, then I would want to know because I would want what they've got. It's just amazing. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When we're being with Jesus and becoming like him, we have provocative hope. And that means that people around us start to ask questions. And we can have these fruitful conversations. We've got to be ready for these conversations and tune in with where a person is at and what God's already doing because God is already working in their lives. John Tyson uses the most brilliant tool, I love this, it's called the Grey Matrix, to help discern where a person is at. It's got these two axes. So the first axis makes sense of how, how far or close a person is away from God, from no knowledge to just a high awareness. And the second axis uh, is whether a person is really, really closed in their heart to God or whether they're really open. And so what's awesome about this is, as you can see, there's lots of little points along the way. So this really points to the fact that we're on a journey with Jesus. We are not supposed to just grab people by the scruff of the neck and dump them at the finish line. They're on a journey with Jesus. And that, that point right in the middle is that extraordinary moment where someone opens their heart to God and says, Yes, I want to invite you in, be Lord of my life. But there's a lot of stuff that happens before we get to that point, And there's a lot of stuff that happens after. The conversations that we're going to have with someone who is in quadrant one is going to be very different from the conversations we're going to have with someone who's in quadrant four. And that's why it's not just a formula. And that's why it's also important to be spending time with Jesus because the Holy Spirit will help us discern where a person's at and what's going to be helpful to share. It's important to remember God is not asking you to change your personality. If you don't feel like you're an evangelist because you don't fit that box, can I just say, blow up the box. There is no box. There, there really isn't. And, and often we felt like we, we have to change our personality. If God has made you an extrovert, then maybe the way you share your faith is with a passionate rant about all that he's done in your life and how much you love him. But if you're an introvert, that makes you want to run for the hills. And, and as an introvert, maybe you want to sit quietly and listen and just ask some good questions. God is going to use the way he wired you. He will use your personality. This is for all of us. How you say what you say is just as important as what you say. John Tyson says you can have all the best things to say, but if you use the wrong tone, you'll squander your spiritual influence with patience, with a listening ear, with curiosity, with a gentle tone, with honour for the other. We articulate the good news about Jesus in our lives. Back to the scripture in 1 Peter that we looked at before. It actually finishes with this. It says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Never has there been more an important time to speak with gentleness and respect. Because our world, largely due to the internet and social media, it's just filled with hatred and criticism, people throwing mean stuff at each other. I'm not on social media largely because I don't think it grows any good fruit in me. But... I do need uh, Facebook, I use Sam's Facebook on my phone because there are a bunch of groups that I'm part of. 
And I find myself still getting lost in Sam's Facebook feed, even though it's just home theatre stuff and very other boring things. But, you know, if I start reading the articles on there and then I make the mistake of reading the comments, I always regret it because people are so mean and they're throwing such horrible stuff at each other. And I think it's very easy to be mean when you don't know the person and you can't see the person. But in the upside-down kingdom of Jesus... Gentleness and respect are at the forefront. And that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean we don't speak with frustration and anger and we don't wish we hadn't. But when we do, we apologise. We say sorry, we repent and we try and do better and we invite God in to help grow gentleness and respect in us. What's heartbreaking for us is when we see people who are so passionate for Jesus, they're so zealous, they've got so much zest for Him, they've got all the boldness but they haven't got the sensitivity. And then what happens is they push people away. When I was a teenager, I was making all kinds of bad decisions and I had a very passionate friend and he was just desperate to get me on the same page as him. And this culminated one day with him at youth group yelling in my face, you're going to hell! <laughs> and, you know, I actually knew he was well-meaning. I... I I wasn't even really annoyed at him, but it didn't help me face my dysfunction. And it certainly didn't draw me closer to Jesus. All it meant was I didn't go back to that group. And you will be happy to hear, we have had beautiful reconciliation. And to this day, he is one of the most inspiring men I know. But that's because God took his boldness and added sensitivity to it. We need boldness and sensitivity in equal measure. So to recap, so far we've talked about living lives that are attractive and active and that grow provocative hope so that people see the way we live and the way we do things and they ask questions. And we've also talked about how important it is to work out where a person is at because that will change the conversation you're going to have. We've got to have a balance of boldness and sensitivity. So the hard part is putting this into practice, but it's also the fun part. So I'm going to share uh, some practical ideas about having the conversations. Some of these ideas are mine, some of them are Bruxy Cavey's, probably the best ones, and some are John C. Maxwell's, and some are from other people that I can't really remember. So the first thing is pray. We've got to pray first. God will open the doors. God is the one who gives us courage. He empowers us. He will go before us. A couple of weeks ago, Sam was preaching and he said at the end, uh, I can't even remember what he said, but he said, come up the front if you want more opportunities, I think, or if you want God to use you. And I've had lots of good conversations with people about Jesus over the years, but I thought, oh, I haven't had one recently, you know, I haven't had one lately. So I went up and I just prayed, God, I just, I just want an opportunity and I'm going to be ready. And then that was Sunday morning. Monday morning, the first lady to walk into my Pilates class, she said to me, oh, what do you do when you're not teaching Pilates? Which opened up a conversation about the church, which opened up a conversation about Jesus. And she shared that, you know, she sort of believed in God and prayed at night, but that her, her Christian friends were really, really sad for her because they said that she wasn't going to go where they go when she dies. And I had this moment where I got to actually speak out the love of God, and I said to her, it's not the fear of dying or the fear of God that actually brings me to church on a Sunday or brings me into relationship with God. It is, is His love that draws me to him, and it's his love that, that makes me want to know more about him. And I just got to plant that tiny seed, and I honestly believe that happened because I prayed for it on Sunday morning. 
When you pray for the opportunity and it arises, one of the easiest ways I have found to just bring God into the conversation is not to give them your theology or even talk about Jesus, but just to say, hey, I'd love to pray for you. And, and you know, I would normally just say, you know, I'm a Christian, sounds really hard what you've shared with me, I'd, I'd love to pray for you. And I've never had someone say no thanks. When my grandfather was dying, my grandpa, he had Alzheimer's, he was pretty grumpy, it had changed his personality, and he was pretty closed off to God, and I really wanted to talk to Jesus about him. And I, and I said it to Sam, and Sam said, well, why don't you just pray for him? Now, that's not rocket science. It's very, very simple, but I hadn't sort of thought of it. I was kind of trying to work out what to say, you know. And so I just went, and I just said, hey, can I pray for you? And he said, that would be lovely, dear. And then it was just received beautifully, and I had a moment to just invite God into his heart and invite God into the hospital room. And then I left that room knowing that for the last couple of days of my grandpa's life, God had been invited into that room and into his heart. And I could trust that God would actually do something in his heart. So whether you're praying for someone and you're inviting God in to bring healing, because they've just you know, said that they have a sore bit, or whether you're inviting God to bring comfort because they're in mourning, whether you're inviting God to bring provision because they've lost their job, whatever it is, if you just invite God in, then you've actually done your part and God will do his part. He will start stirring up their heart. And it sort of takes the pressure off us. We're not there to force people or trick people. We're there to invite God so he can actually do the work. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, only God who makes things grow. It's God who makes things grow. I've got into conversations with people on the plane and in the supermarket and the, in the schoolyard and parks all over the place where I've had opportunities to pray. And I haven't chased these people down, but if I'm chatting to someone and they tell me either something that's gone wrong or something that's hurt or something sad, then I'm going to take that opportunity and just say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'd love to pray. And I've never had someone say no. People normally feel so moved that you actually care enough to pray. Okay, we're only up to number two, and I've got eight points. So I'm going to talk a little faster. <laughs> so number two, we've got to listen. Sharing faith requires listening, asking questions, having a genuine relationship. We're not just trying to convert people. We're not trying to get people in the right quadrant. We are not trying to get brownie points in heaven. We're trying to have a relationship with them and share with them what we love. Relationships involve conversation, not just a presentation. So we need a genuine interest in the people. We see in Luke, Jesus saw this mother and she was in such grief because her son had just died. It wasn't in his daily plan to go and pray for that boy, but he was moved with compassion, so he went and prayed. And we need to be the same, so that we're genuinely moved for people and we go and share our faith or we go and pray for them. And if people annoy you, <laughs> and people can be very annoying, and if you need some extra grace and love for people, then sp spend extra time with God. Because the more time we spend with God, the more we love people. It just goes hand in hand. I sat on a plane once and a lady sat down next to me and we started talking and we sort of had quite a nice little connection. It was quite one of those sort of friendship chemistry moments where we were sort of like bouncing off each other. And then she said, I'm a Reiki healer. And I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. Like, ugh. Instantly I was a little bit tense. I don't know that much about Reiki healing, but I know that it's not in the scripture. And so I was sort of like, but I felt like God said to me, just listen. 
And so we ended up, rather than me going, okay, nice talking, I'm going to put my headphones on now, which I could have done, we ended up having such a fruitful conversation. She shared all about the God of love that she knew. And then I got to share all about the Jesus that I knew. And then she shared some stuff in her life that was just not going well. And I got to speak the love of God to her and the compassion of Christ. And I wouldn't have got to do any of that if I'd closed off or if I hadn't been listening. Number three is slow down. we got to settle in. We have to take time. Because a seed takes time to come to fruition. If you were trying to share a hobby with a friend, you wouldn't start them on the advanced stuff straight away. I've got a friend, Janine, who's an ultra marathon runner, one of my heroes. And if she wants to get you passionate about running, she's not going to take you out and send you up a giant hill so that you can't breathe. She's going to take you for a very gentle plod around the block. And then she'll get you hooked. And it's the same. We have to slow down and just trust that we're planting seeds. Trust develops over time. There's no shortcuts. If people like you and they're friends with you, then they'll want to hear about your life and they're going to trust what you have to say. Sometimes we aren't there to see the sprouting of the plant. We're just there to see the planting of the seed. We have Andre in our missional life group, which is such a joy. Because, man, if you need some stories, head on over to that guy. He's got stories. But, you know, he wakes up every morning and says, you know, God, who are you going to lead me to today? God, you know, use me for your mission today. And he's not expecting to get them to quadrant four. He's just expecting to bring them closer to God. That's all he's doing. He's planting seeds. It's so powerful. I was tracking with... um, a friend in Christchurch who'd been really interested about God. We'd had all these conversations and it was so cool. And I took her to church one night and I thought, I felt like this is the night. I feel like she's going to hit that extraordinary point in the middle of that quadrant. She's going to give her heart to the, God, to the Lord and I'm going to be there for it. It's going to be awesome. I was so confident. I went to the pastor. I said, you've got to do a prayer at the end for people who don't know Jesus because I've got one. And then, and then what happened? He prayed the prayer and she, she didn't go up. And then he prayed, you know, and then he sort of said, you know, anyone come? And she just didn't go up. And I had to try so hard not to push her and kick her on the way out. And I just, I felt, I felt like, oh, you know what? Reality set in. I was like, I'm just here to plant the seed. I may not see the sprouting of this plant. Don't be discouraged. And then here is the treasure. So I was bit sulky about that. And then some other people went up for prayer, so I begrudgingly went up to pray for some other person. And when I got there, it was some girl I'd never talked to before, and she said she wanted to give her heart to the Lord. So I got to pray with her that night, and it was such a treasure, and I felt like God knew the desire of my heart, which was to be there for that moment for somebody. Number four, this is straight from John C. Maxwell. He says, value people and love them unconditionally. You don't start with sharing your faith. You start with valuing people and then adding value to people, caring for them. Because when we get to know each other, when we genuinely love each other, walls come down and then we get opportunity. Opportunity to share what's important in our life and opportunity to share about Jesus. When I was doing all my own things and walking away from God, there was one person in particular uh, a lady called Victoria, who whenever I bumped into her, she would speak God promise, God's promises over me. And she would speak life over me and hope. There was no judgment. There was no telling me off for the decisions I was making. She was adding value to me every time I saw her. She used to say, God's got such a plan for you, Jen. And I was like, mm. 
And, and then when I really had this new revelation of God, she was the person that I wanted to talk to because she'd been adding value to me all the time. And that's what we do. Number five, trust what you do know. You don't need to know everything. You know more than you think, honestly. And, and the reality actually is, the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. The more reading I do, the more I realise I've just scratched the surface. But we don't have to be scared of questions. We can learn and grow together with the person that we're having the conversation with. We just don't need to be scared. Like Charlotte said, we're ambassadors of Jesus. That's just who we are. John Maxwell says he loves it when, when people ask him really curly questions that he can't answer. He doesn't get frightened. He just says, hey, I'm going to go away and think and pray and read and I'll get back to you. And he does. And he says that's how he got wise. That's how he grew in his faith because there were so many questions that he had to answer. Sam said to me once, people may argue with your theology, but they cannot argue with your experience of God. And I love that. Because we've all had an experience of God. We've all got a God story. So if you don't think you know much, that's okay. Just share your experience. Share your God story and then learn with the person. Number six is we can trust what we carry. As followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So that means we have peace, love and joy and all the other good things. That's what we carry. We may not make the most money. We may not be the most attractive in the room. We may not be the most intelligent in the room. We may not be the best keyboard player. But what we can have is we can have the most hope, the most joy, the most, the most energy, the most zest for life. That's what we can have. That's what we can carry. When we were in Christchurch, uh, a guy that had been coming to our church sort of sporadically, um, he committed suicide. And it was very, very sad. Young guy, beautiful family, kids. And Sam and I went round to the house and he was laid out in the garage and there were lots of people around. Um, people we didn't know, probably the bulk non-Christians. Uh, and, and it was so dark and so heavy. It was, you know, his kids were in there and there was wailing and it was just, it was so, it was just a room of despair. And, and then Sam got up and he spoke just the hope that we have in Jesus. He spoke the truth of God because this man that had died, he knew Jesus. He was very sick, but he knew Jesus. And Sam spoke the hope and the joy and the peace. And what happened was the room just got lighter. It just lifted because he brought in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we all have. We all have it. We don't need Sam to do it. We can all do that. That's what we have, the most hope, the most joy. Number seven, have eyes to see. When we've been having conversations with a friend and they're interested in God, there will be that moment where the next step for them is inviting Jesus into their heart. And it's always an invitation. It's just a gentle invitation. It's like, would you like to know more about God? Because, you know, I can try and answer your questions, but the best way is actually inviting him into your heart because then he reveals stuff to you through his Holy Spirit. And... And then you can lead them through a prayer. It doesn't need to be scripted. You don't need a pastor to do it. This is when it gets exciting for you. The, the thing that I like to remember, this is very easy, it's just a guide. Thank you, sorry, please. So I will say something like, well, I'll, you know, if you want to repeat after me, we can say a prayer. You know, and I'll say, thank you, God, that you love me and that you want relationship with me. I'll say, sorry that I haven't been following your way. I haven't honoured you. Please 
Come into my heart. Forgive me. You know, it's just so simple. Thank you, sorry, please. We're always looking for someone who knows more than us. But it's us. It's us. You know? It really is. We can all do it. And then when you get to do something like that, honestly, it is so exciting. And, and you just you feel that empowerment from the Holy Spirit. When you do pray for someone, just try and use normal words. And try and use your normal voice. You don't need to use an ethereal voice. You don't need to touch the person. Try and not be weird. Okay? I know that's hard. But I have to try too. And you know, so, sometimes I get too excited and I talk too close to people's faces. I'm sorry if I've done that to you. Someone in our church in Wellington once said to me, hey, he said, you, you don't know about personal space. And, and I, I was like, I, yeah, I can feel that that hurts. But it was actually a really good conversation because I realised he was right. I'm very comfortable with people, but not everyone is comfortable with me. And so I think it's important to know that, you know, don't be weird. Don't get too close to people. Don't yell in their face like I might have done. I think I did. Number seven. No, we did seven. Oh, thank you. Eight comes next. But no, I'm still on seven. I want to say one more thing. Sam's mum is a raging evangelist. She's amazing. She just loves talking about Jesus. Her neighbours are all non-Christian, but they all know that she loves Jesus. Sam's mum, she just laughs. Like, sometimes she's laughing. I've got no idea what she's laughing about. It's like, it's not even funny. But she's got the joy of the Lord. And so, sometimes she laughs so loudly, her neighbours poke their head over and they say, what are you on? What are you on? Because we want some. They think she's drinking. And she says, no, I've just got the Holy Spirit. You know, if you want some, come over. But Sam's mum was, was just chatting with a neighbour, and she's been chatting about Jesus probably on and off for years, just little bits here and there. But then the neighbour got very, very sick and went to hospital and was very close to dying. And Annette was with her one day, and, and there was a moment where Annette said, do you want to invite Jesus into your heart? And the neighbour said, yeah, I do. And so they got to pray together, which was so beautiful. But here's the thing. Then as she went to leave, Sam's mum said, I'll get the chaplain to visit you. And the lady said, I don't want the chaplain. You're my chaplain. And that's it for us. We are everyone's chaplain. If you're tuning with a friend, you're it. Don't look around for an expert. Don't look around for Sam. You know, you can do it. Number eight, we got there. Don't be discouraged. Jesus tells a parable of seeds that were sown. Some of the seeds fell along the path and they were eaten by the birds. Some fell on the rocky ground and the plants withered because they had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns which grew and choked the plant. Some fell on the good soil which yielded a huge crop a hundred times more than was previously sown. So this passage is about people responding differently to hearing the word of God. Some people hear the word and then as soon as they hear it, it's snatched away and they don't believe. Some people hear with enthusiasm, it's like, yes! But then hard stuff happens, challenges happen, and they just, they fall away. Some people seem responsive, but then they get distracted or they drop out because of anxieties or cares or worries, or they get busy or, or the pleasures of the world. And some will be responsive and will bring about fruit. So Jesus is saying, not all seeds are gonna take root. Don't be discouraged. If you see a seed growing because you've been sharing your faith and then it stops, that's okay. 
Maybe it will start growing again. Nikki Gumbel, who does the Bible in a year, he also runs Alpha, which is a new Christian course. He says the most exciting and wonderful thing he's ever done is the Alpha course. But he also says the most awful and depressing thing he's ever done is the Alpha course. Because it's so easy to get discouraged when people aren't growing in God. But we're just planting the seeds and we're seeing little growth. And, and Jesus says, don't get discouraged. One of the really easy ways that Bruxy Cavey brings Jesus into the conversation is, he often says, oh, he's listening to a friend, he say, oh, that reminds me of something Jesus said. Or he'll say, oh, that reminds me of something Jesus did. Or what he calls the baby steps version is when you say, oh, that reminds me of something I heard at church on Sunday. And some of the things that have worked for me, ways to bring Jesus into the conversation, I might say, how was your day? And... And if they say, yeah, yeah, good, 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 and they share, and I'm listening, I'm interested, then they say, how was your day? I might say, yeah, I went for a prayer run this morning, or, oh, I woke up feeling really stressed and anxious, but I had a quiet time and I prayed, and then I felt like I had the peace of God and it changed my day. Or I might say, it's great, I'm reading this awesome book at the moment by Bruxy Cavey. Or I might say, oh, man, I've been practicing the keyboard hard because I'm on worship this week. And whatever it is, if anything that you did in your day remotely links to Jesus, you can share it. If you ask someone, how was your weekend? And they say, yeah, good, good. And they share. And then they say, how was your weekend? And you say, yeah, yeah, it was cool. I went to church. And then you, you know, don't, you don't need to push an agenda. All you're doing is being honest and sharing about your life. You're inviting people in. Braxy says this, of course, if we're going to say things like this, we have to be people who actually pay attention to the things Jesus taught and did. We need to be people who read the Gospels and think about the teaching and example of Jesus. We need to be people who read the rest of the Bible with Jesus in mind. We need to be a people who attend church, read books, listen to podcasts, and read blog posts with an alertness for what we can learn about and from Jesus. For some of us, maybe this is the problem. We don't actually live lives immersed in the person, teaching, life, and lessons of Jesus. But if that sounds like you, the good news is you know where you need to start. If you talk to someone who is stressed or anxious or in grief, then you know what works for you. I would say, hey, like when I'm anxious, I pray. And it genuinely helps me. Can I pray for you? Maybe it'll help you. Or you might say, oh man, when I was going through grief, I read this book and this book really helped me. Or I just soaked in this song and this song really helped me. And the things that God speaks to us, he can speak to others through those same things. Often in a conversation, I'll say, man, thank you, Lord. Or I'll say, oh, that was such a blessing. And I feel like I'm just sprinkling a little bit of God into the conversation. But I, I can't really imagine Sam saying it like that. Like, I've never really heard say, Sam say, oh, thank you, Lord, like in the middle of a normal conversation. And that's because we're all wired differently. And the things I say, I, I'm going to work in your body and in, in your voice. So find the things, the ways that God will use you to speak to other people. I'm going to finish with this. There's a passage in the Bible where God talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And John C. Maxwell explains this just beautifully. So the lost coin, it's lost, but it doesn't know it's lost. And 
There are people who are lost and they don't know they're lost. It, it isn't a great idea to tell someone that they're lost if they don't know they're lost. But what we can do is we can walk with them, we can be there to support them and love them, we can invite them into conversations, we can share about our life. Then you've got the lost sheep and the sheep is lost and it knows it's lost, but it just doesn't know how to find its way back to the shepherd. And that's where we come in, because we know the way to the shepherd. So we can say, come along, join me on this journey. And we can bring them back to the Father and bring them back to Jesus. And then lastly, the lost son. The lost son knows he's lost, and he also knows his way back to the Father, but he doesn't know the unconditional love of the Father. Because if he knew the unconditional love, he would have come back so much quicker. He would have run back. And we need to tell people. They don't need to come with shame and guilt. They can run to the throne of grace knowing that they're loved. If talking about Jesus is something that you find hard to do, then don't start with the non-Christians around you or the people in your wider community. Start in your home. Start with your best friend. Start with your Christian friends in this community. Start by just going, oh, I felt like God said something to me this week. You know, it may have been him, may not have been him. Start just making it more natural. Start by sharing around the dinner table. Did anyone feel like God said anything to them today? Or is there any verse that stuck out for them? Or anything he said to them at church? You know? And then once you get comfortable talking to your family and your friends that know and love you, you'll be so much more comfortable when you're sharing to the wider community. And so I just want to encourage you and empower you. We can all do this. This is not for an elite few that are awesome evangelists. This is just for all of us. So let's stand and I'd just love to pray.